That's one test down for the U.S. men's national team and one tougher test coming up. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsip. How's it going? Well, pretty well, Garrett. It's uh, the Labor Day weekend was was fun, as I'm sure you will agree. <laughs> but it's over, and the unofficial end of summer is come and gone, and we have to come to grips with the fact that the fall is here, and and uh, the fun times of the summer are over. Well, we still, you know, have three more weeks out here in Arizona, so we we don't have to, you know, it's not too sad for us yet. Nah, Labor Day, Labor Day's that. Uh, maybe maybe it's an East Coast thing, but it's pretty much <laughs> once Labor Day passes you just know it's time to like start you know pulling the sweaters out of the <laughs> out of the storage and, and start looking for your jackets and your coats because we know as they say on game of thrones winter is coming well i did notice that in philadelphia though like, i think i saw some of the trees starting to change color or they were dying i can't tell we have no seasons in arizona so I, i'm not too sure <laughs> like they were brown so i was like i was I like oh look I it's fall i don't think your leaf turning knowledge is, is up to par I don't, no it's I don't not know. And also, my voice is, <laughs> I lost my voice this weekend, so if anyone's wondering why I sound like I sound, it's because I lost my voice, yelling at Ivis all weekend long. Is, it, oh, is that what it was? <laughs> I mean, should we tell the people what happened this weekend, or is that what happened in Philly, stay in Philly? Is that, was that? Uh, let me tell you, <laughs> the wedding was, was a great time. <laughs> that, that's all said. Compared <laughs> with some Jerry Springer-like action going on there with some... Uh... And my brother just, you know... Physical altercations. He just, he just, you know. Sometimes you need to know. <laughs> I heard someone at the wedding was talking trash about the SBI show, and that's and not true. Punches, and then that was it. That's true. You, you, okay, I'll say this. You better believe this. Me in my what? I'm like five three pound frame. I had to break up a fight. Think about that. Me had to break that's up crazy. a fight. I know, crazy. This is, you know what? That's karma. That's what you get for blowing blowing off the SBI crew. We we're supposed to try to meet up in Philly on Saturday. And you're like, oh, I'm busy. So it's all right. See, so yeah, that's what happens, man. Goes around, comes around. I was with the family. We're in Chesapeake <laughs> Bay, like in the middle of nowhere. And then, like, we do the most touristy things in Philadelphia. I, I know if we, like, told you that, I know you'd roll your eyes and when you showed up. So I know, you know how it is. I know. How it is. Don't worry about it. Exactly. We went to Reading Terminal. I mean, everyone freaking goes there. It's uh, a good spot. It's a very good spot. It is. Especially in the summer. It was fun. I mean, the scenery was pretty good, too. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> see right there, my voice is gone. All right, enough of that, Ivis. We do have plenty to talk about on today's show. We'll recap the previous weekend of Major League Soccer. Uh, but obviously, the big thing tonight, U.S. taking on Brazil. Before this, U.S. beat Peru 2-1 to one in a definite tale of two halves. First half, uh, not the greatest showing from the U.S. Second half, things starting to look better. Um, but, Ivis, more importantly, I mean, the U.S. did win, which is good. Josie Altador with the brace. You always like to see that. Um, but let's be real, though. The U.S. did win, but it wasn't the most convincing. It wasn't the most inspiring. It, it just it wasn't a great performance from the U.S. Uh, well, you know, I wouldn't say it definitely wouldn't say it was a great performance, but I would say that it served its purpose. Um, Klinsman went into that match wanting to look at some players, have some players step up, have some players impress them and and, and state their cases for, for more playing time and more importantly, state their cases to be starting in October against Mexico. And I think I think a few players did that. So, yeah, that first half was forgettable. Uh, although I will say I watched it again um, when I came back from D.C. And, and you know, it was there was like that 20, 25-minute stretch where Peru did have a lot of the ball. But, you know, they didn't really do a ton with it. I mean, they definitely knocked it around. And the U.S. should have put a bit more pressure on. They made it a little too easy. But what we saw in the second half, and even toward the end of the first half, was a U.S. team that started to wake up, started to – put the pressure on and and then the game changed and i think if anything that's a lesson that 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 team hopefully will have learned that 
if you sit back and you let these teams that have that kind of technical skill just have the ball and, ha- and do what they want with the ball, it- it's a losing proposition because you're going to chase the ball, you're going to get tired, you're going to get worn down, and then you're going to get smoked. And and I think, thankful, you know, luckily for them, they figured that out just in time and, and things hadn't gotten ugly and uh, and they were able to turn around in the second half. So overall, I think it was actually a decent game. It wasn't, you know, I, I'd give it like a like a B minus C, a B, probably like a B minus C plus. Um, and, and especially some of the individual performance was very good. I, I, I don't know. I think you're being way more lenient than I don't I don't know. The game I saw, Ivis, the decisions that your and Clint's been made. Um, it, look, but it, some guys, they're just not in the right positions. I, I just, I don't like what Jurgen sometimes is doing with this squad. And, and I, I know it was a full exa- experiment. Oh, well, hold on, slow down, slow down. I'm setting it up, man. I can't just go for the kill. I got to, you know, I got to, <laughs> you know, it's like a on, steak. Man. You know, yeah, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm warming it up. You know, I'll say this. Alondra Bedoya is a winger for this U.S. team. He should not be playing central mid. Danny Williams should have been next to Jermaine Jones to start the game. DeAndre uh, Yedlin is also a winger, too. I thought he was playing out of position. Zardis. I agree. I thought Zardis, I don't know if you said that, I thought Zardis had a pretty good game in this one. The center back pairing between Omar Gonzalez and John Brooks did have its moments, but man, Omar Gonzalez needs to be in focus into the game 24-7 from the minute the game starts. There's no way at any level you should allow your opponent to receive the ball at the top of the box and have enough time for him to turn and get a shot like that. I know it was a circus goal. That was a bizarre goal. But no player should turn like that. And when you just see the U.S. and you saw the disconnect between the defense to the midfield, you saw really no buildup. You really saw no possession. And the other thing that was that, hey, how that many I saw, things are you gonna to list here? I mean, <laughs> I'm wait, going on a rant. To, I'm allowed to go. Ivis, 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 I'm allowed to go in my soapbox. You have soapboxes. This no, is my final soapbox. Stick to one point. You've got. You already said five different things here. <laughs> I, I got. I got to get. The, hold on. Let me get my pen and pad out. Because there's a lot of things wrong. It's not, but it's not though. That's the thing. Let's get point by point, and then we'll and then we'll break it down for you. Point okay, by first, point, midfield. Alejandro okay, Bordeaux, Jermaine Jones. That was a field now, experiment. We know he's not a, a central midfielder, but his move. The, the reason he was put there is pretty clear. He was put there pretty much as a placeholder for Michael Bradley because we're going to see Michael Bradley and Jermaine Jones together. And Jermaine, Jurgen Klinsmann wanted to see Jermaine Jones partnered with someone with a bit more of an attacking mindset in the middle. I know you could say, "Oh wait, what about Mix This Group?" Fact is, Mix This Group. Coming into this camp hasn't been on the best of form. Uh, Alejandro Bedoya, you would think, you know, with his club experience, could play centrally. Now, he struggled. There's no doubt about it. But I think that purpose was clear. Klinsman is going to – he sees Bradley Jones as his tandem against Mexico. He wanted to, he wanted to give Jermaine Jones a look neck, playing next to someone who would give him a similar look to Bradley. Obviously, Bedoya struggled, but that was the purpose of that. Really? As as, Why not Danny I, I, Williams? Daniel Williams is not Michael Bradley. I Daniel know he's not, but, but I'm sorry, but Doyle, but Doyle was lost out there. I'm but sorry. Again, he's a great it's not player. about that specific mm. game. It's about Mexico. It's about prepping for that, at least from that standpoint. And who knew? And look, Bedoya has, play, Bedoya has played quite a bit in the middle. I, I know the, he has. Level. So he had one bad game, and it's easy to say, oh, well, he's not a, he's not a central midfielder. He's a winger. Fair enough. But there, there was a purpose to that particular move. As far as, far as DeAndre Yellen goes, uh, then who would you, who would you have put there if you if you if you're if you're planning to use Bedoya as your kind of counterbalance Michael Bradley fill in then who else is there to put on the right wing DeAndre Ellen DeAndre Ellen had a good game I don't know what you're talking about I mean I we can agree to disagree but I thought DeAndre Ellen was very active he had a hand in the in the winning goal he was all over the field providing defensive support his speed definitely uh, helped counter Peru's speed so I thought he did all right as far as center central and as far as central defense goes Gonzalez 
yes, that on the goal, he 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 made, he made a number of, of errors. He he gave the guy too much room. His initial reaction to the defender receiving the ball was to step back. And yes, it's like, that's weird. Wonder, right. So he makes that mistake. Uh, having said that, I'm not going to bury the guy and say, okay, he's definitely not playing against Mexico because he makes this one mistake. Uh, I think we're going to see him against Brazil. I think he's going to start. I think we're going to see the same center backs that we saw against Peru start against Brazil. And both those guys are going to have their chance. Now, if, if either of them or both of them crap the bet against Brazil, then I think Jurgen's going to look, look at it and say, okay, that guy can definitely not play against Mexico. And I'll tell you what, Matt Beasler for me was the guy who, of uh, the center backs who boosted his stock the most. Yes. He made every play, he headed everything out of danger. He was solid. And it was a little disappointing to see him leave the, leave the U.S. camp. Although, to be fair, Sporting Kessie has a game on Wednesday. So Klinsman's doing Peter Vermees a bit of a solid there. Um, but Beasler, for me, he showed that, you know, if you're, if you're asking me left center back, Brooks or Beasler, I'm going Beasler right now because I just I like what I saw from Beasler. Now, unless Brooks comes out against Brazil and has an absolute just dominating performance, I, it's going to take a lot for me to convince me that Brooks is the is the answer over Beasley. I agree 100 percent on that. Quickly though, I, look, I, I get why you want to have Bedoya next to Jermaine Jones because that will give you Michael Bradley. Look, I, I just see that as a failed opportunity for Jurgen Klinsmann to give Danny Williams some valuable minutes. I mean, there's no guarantee that in a month from now that Jermaine Jones can be 100%. Michael Bradley's going to be 100%. Why not stick Danny Williams out there? You know you're going to get out of Bedoya. Danny Williams got some minutes. And I, know, I know, but I'm and saying Danny extended start, minutes, Danny though. Williams start against Brazil. We still don't, we don't know. We I don't know, know we don't, but, but Peru would have been a much better game just to kind of set the why, bar. Why is it a much better game? Why is it a better game than Brazil? For, for Danny Williams? If you're talking about the kind of lineup we could see against Mexico, because in theory, I mean, we could see a four-two-three-one against Mexico or one a four-one-four-one against Mexico. Um, I, I'm cu- I'm very curious to see how Klinsmann is going to fit all these pieces in. Because think about it, right? Let's. I was thinking about this last night. So if you're talking about the the front uh, six, right? The front six for the U.S. Um, it, you have Josie Altidore, Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley, Jesse Zardes, Jermaine Jones, and Alejandro Bedoya. That's your six. You have to fit them all in. Uh, and if you were to put in a Danny Williams, who do you take out? Who comes out? That's the that's going to be the tricky question. Who comes I don't out know, but the, but Danny Williams has shown well oh, for the U.S. Out? earlier this I, year. This I, is I, I'm I like, saying I, I, I like this Danny is a game where he should have been given at least 70 minutes in this game, so, at least. <laughs> you know what? We don't know what's going on in camp. We don't know how these guys look, so it's tough to say. I agree, but, but it's just it's strange is, to me. It's just strange. It's strange. He's looking at the Mexico game and. I just named you a front six. That how do you break up that front six? That that's that that's going to be the, the interesting dilemma for Klinsman is that if he puts it, it, whether it's Beckerman or whether it's Danny Williams, if he decides I need that anchor in the middle, Jermaine Jones is not going to do that job. Who comes out? Bedoya does Bedoya come out? Zardes is not coming out at this point. It's clear Zardes is locked in. Zardes, you could you could like print his jersey, hang it up in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena today. If he's healthy, knock on wood, he's going to be starting. So he's cha- he Zardes is really shaking things up because now that he is a guy that everybody agrees should be a starter. Even I mean, it, it, it was impressive for me. Jermaine Jones is a guy who doesn't really give away compliments too easily, and he was raving about Josh Zardes. Jermaine Jones, I, I asked I asked him what he thought. I said, "What do you think about Josh Zardes?" He's like, "Oh, he's a beast. He's a beast." Jermaine Jones, the the beast of all beasts on the U.S. team. Call Justice Artist a beast. So that tells you all you need to know. So for me, does Bedoya sit? Mm, you're not going to sit 
Dempsey and Bradley. No. Uh, Altidore is on the rise again. He's, re- he's regaining his scoring touch. So that, you know, it's going to come down to – and this is, again, going back to the Bedoya ex- experiment in the middle. Klinsman, in my opinion, Klinsman has looked at that front six and said, I got to get those six on the field together against Mexico. How do I do that? How do I do that? By having Jones and Bradley be my central pairing, and we have to work on their their pulley system. The, when one guy stays, one guy goes. We know they had issues with that in the past when they tried to use that, uh, but they have to make it work. They have to make it work. And, and, and we're going back a ways. 2011 Gold Cup, they they did it. They, they did it together. They, they played well in the middle together. And they need to find that again because if you're going to get that that front six on the field together, they they got to figure out a way, a way to make it work. I, I, look, I agree with the front six. So you want Danny Williams to start, right? So no, I don't want Danny Williams to start. But I'm saying that Danny Williams is a guy where if Jermaine Jones went down, and and let's say Kyle Beckham is not there, you have Michael Bradley out there. I mean, you you want to see? Look, Danny Williams has shown well for the U.S. earlier this year in Europe. Danny Williams is a very good player. I just see this as. And look, I agree. It's a tricky why you put, I agree why you put Bedoya out you know there. But why not give Danny Williams that time? You know it's valuable Jermaine time Jones for him. Jones has just come back from an injury. You're trying to work him back into being 100%. He he hadn't played. He didn't play in the Gold Cup. Jermaine Jones was not there for the Gold Cup. No, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't there in June. So he hasn't been around because of his injury situation. So you got, you know, it, it's only a month away now. The Mexico is only a month away. So if you can. You know, get Jones back on the field. Get him. Get him. You know, working up, building up. He he he's important, man. He's an important part. Of course, oh, I, people need to realize what, like what he brings to the table in terms of toughness, in terms of of of, of a calming presence. I mean, what at the and you might not you might not be able to see this on the broadcast, but we're watching the the Peru game. I'm I'm at RFK, and Jermaine Jones is just kind of orchestrating everyone everyone on the field. He's kind of like, okay, you pass it to that guy, you pass it to that guy. Uh, and half the time, you know, they already know who they got to pass to. But other times, you see a lot of guys making decisions that are, are, are not the right ones. And, and he he sees the game at a higher level than almost everyone on the U.S. team. And you need him on the field. You need you need him on the field. And that's why, if, if Clint, Clint, for, as far as Klinsman is concerned, getting him back in, getting him, getting finding a balance between him and Bradley matters above all else. So that's why you can you have to kind of experiment with a Bedoya. And, and, and see what what that look gives you and, and, and give Jermaine Jones that opportunity to, to play with a guy like that because that's what Bradley's going to do. So it didn't work out, but it doesn't mean he shouldn't have done it. All right, look, we'll agree to disagree, <laughs> Ivis. However, though, yes, however, though, as much as I'm being uh, pessimistic and, and not seeing this game as, as being somewhat positive, there were some positives in this match. Zardis, we talked about that. I mean, at this point, he's locked down starting against Mexico. But I got to talk about Tim Ree, man. Left back, he put in a very good showing for the U.S. against Peru. Absolutely, man. And, and he, he really, really impressed me. I got to say, I mean, his positioning was very good. He, he didn't allow himself to get beaten for pace, which is always going to be the question mark with, a Tim, with Tim Ream at left back. Uh, will he get exposed? Because he's not the quickest guy. We know that. But what he is is a very intelligent player. And, and he knows how to read plays, read situations to not uh, get not to be exposed. And... Obviously, it helps him to have Zardis on his side of the field because Zardis is just – he's a workhorse. He gets up and down. He, he, he gives you cover defensively. So it, it, it was – it went about as well as you could have imagined – as anyone could have hoped for. And uh, I got to say, it's, it's pretty funny. I, I mentioned this last show. There was a time early in his, in his career where Tim Reed pretty much – I, I remember talking to Tim Reed about this years ago. And I'm like, so can you play left back? Would you play left back? 
And his exact words to me were, you don't want to see me play left back. <laughs> uh, and that, that's, that always kind of stuck with me from then on. was like, yeah, I guess he's not really a left back. But he's really learned the position. And obviously he played a ton of games at Bolton uh, over the last two years the, at the position. So he, 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 he gets it now. He knows the position. He's comfortable there. And with so few options there, he's looking good, man. He is looking all of a sudden. Yeah, you say to yourself, this guy could this guy start against Mexico? And I think we're going to see against Brazil him have another chance to show that he belongs, that he can handle it. And if he does well against Brazil, all of a sudden, if you're Klinsman, you're like, hmm, maybe we don't, maybe we don't need to rely on Beasley. Maybe we can settle on Reem. Uh, and the reason for it is nothing against Beasley, right? Beasley's a veteran. He's been, he's played Mexico a million times. He has that experience. You want big game experience, but he's an older player. Tim Ream is younger. He's stronger. Technically, he's a better passer out of the back. I mean, that was one of the things that people forget about Tim Ream is that in terms of overall in the entire player pool, you could argue that he's the best passing defender in the pool. And now that they have a chance to have him back in there, I mean, he just brings so much to the table. So Tim Ream, man, the, the, his stock's rising. If he has, if he has mm-hmm. a good game against Brazil... Then you then I think you can pencil him in against Mexico. However, if he gets torched, if uh, if Danilo or if Willian or if they put in Coutinho or whoever they put in on the right side for Brazil, Neymar if Neymar decides to just go at him, and I could see Jurgen Klinsmann dropping Neymar a note like, "Hey, you see that guy over there? Go right at him." I could totally see that happening, and you can see if you see that if you see Neymar go at Tim Ream two or three times in the beginning of the game, I guarantee you that's Klinsmann's request. And if he, no, if he stands not. up, stop I, it. I'm saying, this is how, listen, man, this is how international soccer works. These are how friendlies work. I guarantee you these coaches. I mean, they organize. This is like uh, they work. To, the coaches work together. They both want to get something out of these games. And they, they absolutely have these. You know, they, they can have these conversations where they say, you know, what are you looking at for out of this game? And, and this and that. And, they, and they'll, you know, I'm not saying it's scripted, but I mean, you could you could definitely you see it all the time. You see. Guys who who are put into these friendlies and all of a sudden they happen to get tested. It's not a coincidence. So I think Tim Ream's going to get tested, and if he passes, I'm I'm penciling him in for Mexico. And in goal, obviously, you had Brad Guzan making the start, as we all know, early in the week. Ian Klinsman announced Guzan as the starter against Mexico. Um, and his, uh, we all know what Guzan's like. Very good level. Not much you can do on that goal. It was ridiculous. Um, but besides that, Ivis, I mean, Guzan put in a very good minute. Put in a very good 90-minute shift. You know that was a deflected goal, right? I oh, of course. Since you didn't see that it was a deflected goal. No, it was. But that's what I'm saying. It was like, sorry, it was circus because the way it hit Gonzalez and they kind of like took that insane rainbow loop into the back of the net. It was ridiculous. Well, this is why, as a defender, you don't like do the blind. No, you don't. Block attempt, which is what he did. He's like, oh, don't. Hurt I know. Me. I like, know. That's what I'm saying. It was. It was something yeah, like, with the, the goal goes in. And you're just like, it was oh, sh- like it, it was a shocker. Exactly. You just like as as like you just sit there and you're like, there's nothing you can do on that. That's just right. No, it's ridiculous. Guzan played well. There's no question, and I know I know that was the big, big the big question mark coming in is, you know, what if he has shaky a shaky game or shaky two games in in, in these friendlies? Does Tim Howard step in? Well, for right now he's one for one. He looks solid. He looked good. He made all the plays he, he could make and had to make, especially second half when he had that double save uh, that could have given Peru the lead if he doesn't step up and make the save there. It's still his job, and as much as you know, I said last show, I think for me Tim Howard's the better goalkeeper. Brad Guzan's the guy. He played well enough to hold on to that job, and he, I think, barring some absolute craziness against Brazil, he's looking like your guy against Mexico. And and, and I know that's going to surprise a lot of people, but uh, he, it, it's kind of hard to pull him now because he he had a good game against Peru, and and if he has a good game against Brazil, I don't think anyone's going to be able to have that, still have that question of should he or should he not start. 
When you look at the rest of the U.S., though, I was, what, what are some other things that did stand out for you in the game against Peru? Well, I'd like, say I like Jeff Cameron right back. Uh, funny enough, you know, he uh, starts there for two years at Bolton, uh, and Klinsman really didn't seem to like him at right back, although he did play in qualifying at right back. Still remember the snow game. He, he played it right back. So he, he, he has had games there. He doesn't look like a bad option. I got to say, I mean, I know he doesn't get forward like like uh, Fabian Johnson. And Fabian Johnson will be your guy. I mean, let's let's, let's face it. He will be your guy. But if any, but if not, uh, you know, heaven forbid, he's not available. I think Jeff Cameron's your next guy. I mean, Michael Roscoe is okay, but uh, he's not the guy. He's not the guy. against Especially against high-level competition at right back. I just don't think. I think he'll get exposed. But for me, Jeff Cameron, I like what I saw. And and I, to be honest, I'd love to see him at center back. I loved I the, I wanted to for me personally, I wanted to see Beasler, Jeff Cameron. That's what I would have liked to have seen. That's what for me, if you ask, you know, if we're having question marks about Omar Gonzalez, and we all kind of agree that Ventura Alvarado is not ready, then who's left? For me, I think Cameron and Beasler would be an excellent tandem. But we didn't get to see it, and now since we didn't get to see it, I I highly doubt we're going to see it against Mexico. I think the big question is now, this is as the U.S. goes into the game against Brazil tonight, who will be on the field? What changes will we see? We know for sure that Brad Guzan will be out there. That's a lock. You could also say maybe Zardes is a lock. But do you see Jurgen making some wholesale changes, maybe mixing things up or kind of sticking with the same group that he has here? And, you know, obviously in preparation for the Mexico game. Well, <laughs> it's funny enough, after the Peru game, I asked them uh, – I asked Klinsman, I'm like, are you gonna are you gonna experiment? Are you gonna try different you gonna try different things against Brazil? And his exact quote was, oh, I don't I don't know if you want to try things against Brazil. Uh, like he's like, yeah, you know, it's Brazil. You don't mess around. Um, so I think he's gonna try to have uh, you know a, as close to full strength squad as he can have. I mean, they just played Friday, so maybe there's guys who who, who can't you know their fitness won't allow them to be in the lineup. Um, on Tuesday, but you'd like to think that everyone should be available. I mean, Jermaine Jones is is a guy who, I mean, he played 70 minutes, and, and you know, he's coming back. Uh, he, he's not 100%, and, and he even admitted as much. Uh, he's going to be on the field, though. For me, he's going to be on the field. My lineup, if you're asking me who I see tonight, it'll be Guzan, Reem, Brooks, Gonzalez, Cameron, uh, Jones, Bradley, Zardis, Bedoya, Altidore, and then Johansson. Aaron Johansson's an interesting one, man. He didn't start in the Peru game. I was a little surprised by that. But apparently there were concerns about, you know, he came in off of a club match where, you know, he was he was a bit tired early in the week and he was playing catch up a bit. Now, if that's what kept him out of, out of the lineup, we'll see tonight. We'll see if he uh, if he starts. If he Now, if he doesn't start, all of a sudden that that raises some interesting questions about what where his standing mm-hmm. is with the team, because at that point you're like, OK, he's definitely not starting against 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 Mexico, which at this point we kind of can ex- we kind of see that, especially with Dempsey coming back. But what's his role beyond that? Is he definitely a bench option? Is he definitely even the first guy off the bench? Now you have Jordan Morris back in camp. Does Klinsman is Klinsman gonna you know move him up into the pecking order? And, and I gotta say I'm surprised by that a little. The, the Jordan Morris inclusion, obviously all hands on deck for this Mexico game, right? I get that, but Jordan Morris is so important to that U23 team, that that Olympic qualifying team. Um, are you really gonna risk him being your starter and your lead striker on that Olympic qualifying team? To have him on your senior team for the uh, the possibility he comes off the bench, that's a tricky one. Um, but obviously, Clint, as far as Clinton is concerned, the senior team is all that matters. Now, what if Morris has has himself a good... Yeah, so you're going to bring Morris in to start, Ivis. Come on. Well, that's... You know, I, was, Come I, on, I, I wrote that... I Listen, I wrote it in my Gold.com piece. Uh, 
What if he starts him against Brazil? I mean, it wouldn't Can be the craziest thing Klinsman's oh ever gosh. done, right? Oh my it gosh. would not be the craziest thing Klinsman's ever done. Um, but I want to see Morris against these guys. Because, I mean, obviously we saw him in, in, in against Mexi- a Mexico C team uh, score a goal, which was all well and good. Um, and then we saw him in June make an impact, obviously, uh, in, in some of those friendlies against big competition. Maybe Klinsman wants to see how how he fared. But, the, but again, that's another one. If you start Jordan Morris over Aaron Johansson, I mean, where does that put Johansson's mindset in all this, right? I mean, the guy's—he just made a you know seven-figure transfer to, to Werder Bremen. He's starting in the Bundesliga. He just scored his first goal in the Bundesliga, and you're going to start a college kid ahead of him. That, I, that's why for me, I think it's a little far-fetched. But it's Klinsman, man. You never know. He always has a wild card that he pulls out of his hat. I think we'll see Morris come in in the second half, and let's see what he can do. Because that's what it, I think that's the the role that's up for grabs. That forward off the bench, that spark off the bench. Is it Johansson? Is it Morris? Because Morris is just a different kind of player. Obviously, Johansson is more technical. You could you could argue he's a better finisher, but but Morris the, the speed element and and the way he uh, Morris can disrupt things. That, that there's something to be said for that. Morris will come off the bench and score a goal. You know that, Ivis. He will listen if he scores. He scores a goal, a goal and will ruin and will throw a wrench into everything. Le- he listen. He, they would retire. You could just retire his jersey. You could retire his number <laughs> before. Yeah, before he even leaves college, you could retire his jersey. Before he actually yeah goes pro, amazing. It's it's uh, it's it's amazing, Ivis. Well, the other team that the U.S. is facing tonight, Brazil. Uh, Neymar didn't play against Costa Rica, but he's expected to play against the U.S. Ivis, what should the U.S. expect out of Brazil? Um, Going into the game tonight, it's gonna be. It's definitely gonna be a, a good test. Uh, Dunga uh, has, you know, he he has selected a, a pretty strong squad. I mean, obviously he's he's turned some heads with some of the the omissions that that some of the players he's left out. But Neymar, I, I think Neymar is a safe bet. He'll be on the field. And for those who rem- with good memories, the last two times the U.S. has played Brazil, Neymar's had a field day. Um, so. That that's going to be a real real test for them to see how they can handle a player who's that dynamic. Uh, I thought against Peru and Jefferson Farfan, you know, they, in the first half they had some trouble, but in the second half they were able to kind of put pressure on him and kind of neutralize him. And Neymar is a whole nother level of player. So we all know about Giovanni De Santos and what he's done against the U.S. in the past, and and I think Neymar is a, a perfect a perfect kind of test for that. Uh, although at this point, Dos Santos's role with El Tri is a little up in the air, but Let's just, you know, for argument's sake, let's assume the Giovanni Dos Santos is going to have a role to play in that playoff. And if he does, then Neymar gives you, I think, a good test uh, for that. I think Brazil's midfield, some of the players that they brought in, obviously, uh, you know, Douglas Costa, uh, Coutinho, uh, Fernandinho, Willian. I mean, their midfield is stacked no matter who they put out there. So I think that's going to be a great battle to see in the middle. And uh, I want to see what Jermaine, Jermaine Jones is going to have to set the tone in this game for those who remember the last time these teams played when they played at FedEx Field, and Jermaine Jones it pulled off that absurd tackle on Neymar. Yes, I remember thought, that. You thought he had, you thought he killed Neymar. It was like, oh my <laughs> lord, he killed, he killed Neymar. Neymar's dead. Uh, obviously, Neymar wasn't dead, and in, in, in Brazil ended up smoking the U.S. that day. But I think, I think we're going to see something similar. I think Jones is going to try to set a tone, and hopefully, this U.S. team will back him up a little better than that 2012 U.S. team. Um, I'm looking forward to it, man. I think it's gonna be a good game. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think this Brazil team is necessarily gonna run over the U.S. I think they'll win, but I think this U.S. team. I think there's some confidence there, and I think I think it's gonna be. I think the U.S. is gonna give them a game. All right. Well, Ivis, we'll uh, we'll talk more about the U.S. Brazil obviously this week when we recap the game. This past weekend, there were some major league soccer games, 
and Seattle to Phoenix, Toronto, two to one, just like that. Open for the Martins. You get Clint Dempsey back. Both of them score in this game. And obviously, if you're a Seattle fan, you had to be thrilled. Obviously, seeing both these guys on the pitch. I mean, at this point, it's almost a lock. When when these guys start, you know, one will get a goal. If two get a goal, at that point, you're probably winning almost every single game. Seattle, two to one over Toronto. Now it wasn't a pretty game. It, 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 let's be fair here. It was a pretty sloppy, ugly game. Toronto FC shorthanded, missing quite a few players to international duty. Javinko injured. Uh, having said that, Seattle doesn't care. They needed three points badly. Yep. And as much and Dempsey obviously coming back is huge for them. Goal and assist in his return. But Osvaldo Alonso back in the starting lineup. It can't be stressed enough how important he is to them and their chances. He is their the backbone of that midfield. And ha- it's been more than two months. I mean, I think it might have almost been three months since you had. Dempsey, Martins, Alonzo, that, that triangle. that it, When that trio's on the field, they're a completely different team. When that trio's on the field, that's a, you know you could argue that's the three best players. They are one of the best teams in the league, and they will, they can be one of the best teams in the league. Now that they have them back, now that you can integrate them with the, the new players that they brought in, now I think we're going to start to see that Sounders team that everyone expected to see. Uh, this Again, like I said, this wasn't the prettiest game. It's not like they, they dominated Toronto. A makeshift, completely patchwork Toronto, uh, but it's still three points, confidence booster. Yes, and they have a they, they tell you what, man. Look at their run, their schedule coming up. They're playing a murderer's row, man. They're playing the a lot of the the top teams in the league in their next four or five games. You got the Galaxy, you got Vancouver. Um, it's not going to be easy for them, but this we're going to see what they're made of. We're going to see what they're you know if their medals tested and if they can if they get through that if they can get through that run of games and, and rack up some points. Then watch out, everybody, because Seattle is back. And you're right, it was a big win for Seattle. When you look at them now, obviously, I mean, they now have some breathing room where, I mean, just a week ago, they were tied on points with San Jose. Now they're three points against the San Jose Earthquake. So, I mean, dude, for the Western Conference, Ivis, I mean, you have to now literally play yourself. We talked about this, but you have to play yourself into the playoffs. You can't bank on some team falling apart here. It's just, it's, it's crazy how tight everything is right now. Um, in the Western Conference and even in the Eastern Conference, in the Montreal Impact, they defeated the Chicago Fire four to three. Drogba with the hat trick. I mean, talk about insane. We all know how good Drogba is. I don't think any of us could predict that he'd score a hat trick already this soon, Ivis. Um, but Montreal, I mean, just a huge win for them over the Chicago Fire. I mean, Montreal, Ivis, the playoffs in and out. They'd be in the playoffs. But look, let's start off with Drogba. Hat trick, unbelievable. I don't know if it's unbelievable because it's the Chicago Fire. Their defense is not good. Their defense is terrible. And, you know, it's Hattrick, not for Hattrick at any level, it's awesome. It's Drogba, man. Oh, Drogba's, Drogba's Drogba. I mean, it's always, you know, if he's not out with a toe injury, he's going to do some things. <laughs> so, no, I mean, it's obviously a big one for Montreal. And we've said it for, for the longest time. Montreal, they create chances. What they need is a goal scorer. Now they have a goal scorer. And you know, obviously, his first the first goal was pretty special, and the other two were were, were more. The first more goal hustle. was awesome. Yeah, the the other two goals were more hustle goals on his part. It's still excellent work by him, uh, and a big win for them. Chicago's done, man. They, how, and, and how painful is it? Imagine being Chicago. You're the first team that went after Drogba. You're the first team in MLS that went after Drogba. Not only do you not get him. <laughs> But then his first real game in the league, <laughs> he scores a hat. I mean, I'm trying to think of what the the analogy in the real life analogy of that would be. I mean, it, 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 I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's like see, I don't know. It's like if you're at a bar and you see a girl and you're talking to her and you think you're getting somewhere, uh, and then at the last minute some guy swoops in, takes her, 
And then the next day she wins the lottery and they get married. It's like, man, that could have been me. I could've, she could have been my wife. I'd be rich. But no, second year in a row, last year it was Jermaine Jones. They lose out on Jermaine Jones and they watch him take New England to the MLS Cup final. Now this year, Drogba. Like, oh, man, I, I tell you what, man, if any Chicago Fire fans listening, I, 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 feel your, I feel your pain, man. It's not easy being a Chicago Fire fan. Yeah, why does the league hate Chicago so much, Ivis? What did they do? I don't know what to tell you, man. Oh, and I, but here's my thing. I was gonna make this point. It's it is terrible that they lost out on Drogba, but that the real but that that kind of overshadows a real glaring issue, and that's this Chicago Fire defense. Frank Gallup, he put this defense together. No one else. He he ripped apart the entire team. Ripped apart like was it 18 players they got rid of? I mean, they only kept a handful of guys. You rip you tear apart your team, and you, they, Frank Gallo built this defense. This defense is terrible. No one else's fault. It's not the league's fault. It's his fault. He built this defense, and this defense is terrible. And while yes, it would have been nice if they had Drogba, having like they they scored goals. They scored three goals. Kennedy Abonike is scoring goals. Their defense is the issue. Gallo built that defense, and I, so from that standpoint, I, I, I you know, you, I, I don't have a ton of sympathy. For people who want to say, oh, it's bad luck, the league screwed them out of guy, players, yes, fair, fair enough. But Yallop, had, Yallop had, could, you know, who he put this Eric Gehrig, Jeff Laurentovitz defense together, and it's it's just not good enough. Well, no, it's not. And you just look at this performance. I mean, this, it, Drogba unmarked in the box. I mean, come on. You cannot leave a player like that it's, unmarked it's in the box. And look, if you're Montreal, you got to be feeling great. You have four games in hand. You, you, they're really going to have to collapse to, 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 you know, not make the playoffs. Uh, but I do have question marks about their their defense now. Their defense, Lawrence Simon missed the game. Obviously, he's on international duty. He's also got a red card suspension he needs to serve. Um, three goals, allowing three goals, it's not, you know, they need to get better. They're, that Montreal defense needs to get better. Otherwise, they're going to get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, even if they make the playoffs. So I think uh, Mauro Biello's got to figure something out there. Uh, obviously, getting Simon back's big. You wonder where his mindset is since there's reports about him that he's probably going to leave Montreal. Maybe he, he won't be focused, but he's a pro. You like to think he'll come in and he'll play his part. But the rest of that defense needs to get his act together if Montreal's going to have any chance of, of making some noise in the playoffs. You're exactly right. Um, speaking of making some noise, Philadelphia Union, they defeated the San Jose Earthquakes 2-1. to one. Chris Wondolowski scores a goal. You're San Jose. You're feeling really good about yourself. And then Connor Casey comes in and is just like, hey, don't forget, I'm Connor Casey. I can score goals at any time. Scores a brace in this game. And for Philadelphia, it was a huge win for them, boosting their playoff chances. Oh, they, Who had this one? This is the upset special of the week. And for me, I mean, in no offense to FC Dallas, who turned in a real, a, a real uh, excellent performance against Columbus. But for me, the most impressive performance of any team this week was Philadelphia. Because the Union are notoriously awful when they go on the West Coast. And they're, not, and they're not alone in that. East Coast teams, when they travel west, they don't, it, it's not a, it doesn't go well for them a lot of times. Uh, so you look at San Jose, hottest team in the league, tearing apart the league's best teams, uh, L.A., D.C., Kansas City, just murderers row, and they tore right through them. So you figure this is going to be an earthquakes blowout. Not so fast, my friends. MLS is MLS. You always have these kind of games. And credit to the union, man. They're, they're, they're having, they, haven't given, they haven't quite given up yet. Uh, and it's still a long shot to make the playoffs, but if Montreal were to stumble, Philadelphia is positioning themselves to take advantage. And 
Connor Casey, man, the old man still got it. The old man still got it. He uh, scores a fair second half goals. Obviously, Victor Bernard is getting hurt in the first half. Really hurt the earthquakes, but no excuses. The union played well, uh, and they got a really, really big result on the road. You just mentioned FC Dallas. They had a very nice performance this weekend, defeating the Columbus Crew three to zero. And obviously, I mean that was a Columbus Crew team that came in. Things are going pretty well for them. And Dallas, man, a couple of nice results here. Momentum going for them. I mean, think about this. FC Dallas, two points off LA Galaxy for the top spot in the Western Conference, and they have two games in hand on the Galaxy. It's kind of crazy, man. If you, I don't know if anyone has bothered to realize it, but FC Dallas at this moment, highest points per game in the league. And that's pretty impressive. I, I got to say, I, I wouldn't have pegged that. And, uh, the, you know, when you look at the scoreline, you see 3-0, you think, oh, they tore apart the Columbus crew. It's a little misleading, the scoreline. It it's a bit flattering. It's a bit flattering. Credit to Dallas. Great defensive effort. Uh, they, they put on a couple extra goals as as the crew chased the game. Uh, crew missed the penalty kick. Federico Wayne missed the penalty. That really could have changed the, the, the tenor of the game. But Oscar Pereja... I don't think he should apologize for, for, for taking a defensive approach to this game. And, you know, at one point going to fi- a five-man defense, they, they didn't have Fabian Castillo, they didn't have Mar Diaz, they didn't have Blas Perez. Um, it, it, you can't really blame them. I mean, you can't blame them for going defensive. It, it, sometimes when you go, if you go on a road, you got to get a result. You want to change up the taxes, get a little defensive. I saw Ethan Finley was none too thrilled about that. He had some kind of... Uh, some some interesting comments in the post game, pretty much kind of ripping indirectly or directly, or not so subtly ripping FC Dallas for their defensive minded um, tactics. But you do what you got to do, man. When you're on the road and you're missing your best attacking players, they got a three zero win. Like who's gonna? They don't need to apologize for that. So I think Dallas they impressed me. Um, do I see them? You know, as a tit- I, title contender, eh, I don't see it yet. I don't see it yet. I really don't. Uh, as far as Columbus, I think they'll be fine. They didn't have Kamara. They didn't have uh, Justin Merrim. They were missing both their fullbacks. So I think once they get everyone back, they're still going to be right there pushing for the top spot in the East. And in the final game of the weekend, New England Revolution defeated Orlando 3-0. to Seems like everyone's just putting up an insane amount of goals in Orlando. And Orlando, I mean, they cannot score a goal to save their life right now. Um, but for New England, very good result for them. 3-0 against Orlando. Things get uglier and uglier for Orlando City. Yes, they do. And you have to ask yourself, is Adrian Heath on the hot seat? Um, it's, uh, it's a question that I, I don't think anyone could have imagined at the beginning of the year, the way they started and, and the love fest that was going on in Orlando. Um, and I'm not sitting here saying that he should be on the hot seat or that he should go. Expansion teams, it's always a t- it's never easy. And I don't think and, – and anyone who, who sits there thinking – it's easy to just roll in in a first season and, and, and do well. I mean, it's it's a different kind of league now. Twenty, It's 20 teams uh, stepping in again in a first year and really building a, a, a playoff team just isn't easy. And they've obviously had things go against them, the Kevin Molino injury, Breck Shea injury, uh, you name it. A lot of things have gone wrong towards the end of the year, the whole Sean St. Ledger fiasco. Um, but you got to wonder, will is Orlando City's ownership going to be okay with this or, or are they starting to kind of question things now i know phil rollins obviously he's he's a part owner all i've ever seen is he he has a glowing relationship with, with adrian heath and i don't i don't think rollins is going to be pushing heath out anytime soon but he's not the only owner you have the brazilian owner uh flavio gusto who's you know in brazil it's a whole different thing you know if, you, if in brazil if you have a bad month you're out as a coach 
And I know they've invested a lot of money in this team. Um, so maybe they'll start, they're going to start asking questions like, why is this team not better? How do we bring Kaká in? And, you know, we're, we're, we're one, one, one of the worst teams in the league, right? So that, that's what I wonder right now. I wonder, is, is he on the hot seat? Is he going to make it to 2016? If it were me, I'd give the guy more than a year. I think that I think it's only fair uh, to give him more than a year just because it's an expansion team. But you know what? Uh, money talks. And, and at some point, if, if Orlando City's owners you know, start pressing, pressuring Phil Rollins, then we could see a change. We could absolutely see a change there. Well, Ivis, well, how about New England? No Jermaine Jones this weekend, but New England over the last couple weeks, man, starting to get the ball going here. Yeah, man, they're 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 slowly creeping their way into the conversation in the East. Uh, as it stands, they're four points out of first, uh, and they're what are they? Two points behind the Red Bulls. They they played a few more games. The impressive thing for me about this win, I mean, I think I think most most people would have pegged them to win this game against against the Orlando without Kaká, but the fact that New England won and dominated without Jermaine Jones, I mean, I think that's a big one for them. Uh, they've relied on Jermaine Jones pretty heavily and, and, and to, to do this well without him. And to pitch another shout-out for that defense, man. That defense is really rounding in the form. I, li- I like what I'm seeing out of them. Lee Wynn, three assists. Uh, you know, if he starts to find that MVP-level form of last year, I mean, it has. It, let's face it, he, he's had a, by his high standards, he's had a bit of a down year. But if Lee Wynn starts to get hot, no, I, I don't. You know, they could. They're they're as good as anybody in the East if if he can get that hot. So, they're one to watch in the in the coming weeks. Well, with that, Ivis, it ends today's SBI show. I know everyone must be saying, "Oh my gosh, forty minutes! What's going on? Why is it not an hour and a half or two hours?" Yes, we're doing actually a short show today. It's crazy, Ivis. The world may not be able to handle it. I'll I'll apologize for us since uh, clearly Garrett's hung over from uh, from the. <laughs> I'm wedding, not hung over. So. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone can hear. How st- the the struggle in your voice, but it's all good. It's all good. Man. I can't drink. Just, uh, I can't drink like I used to, man. I cannot. That's how old. It, hey, Father Time catches up. Catches I'm getting up old, man. Old. I am getting old. Yes, sir. I, I know the feeling. It's. it's <laughs> I think I might have transitioned. By the way, I'm, I think I have given up Jack Daniels, and I think I'm moving on to Knob Creek, man. I've had not, I, 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 I had a bottle of Knob Creek in D.C. We we we, uh, we enjoyed that, and it's. Uh, I think it might be my new drink, man. Is that is that a beer or what is that? Oh, it's it's whiskey. Man. Whiskey, okay. Bourbon whiskey. It's very good, man. Very good. You know what I discovered this weekend in Philadelphia? It was a Youngling beer. It was awesome. <laughs> Yingling. Yingling, That's whatever it's called. <laughs> I just said I said whatever that is. Give me, give me one of those. <laughs> okay, everyone. <laughs> and then here, here, I'll, here, I'll further embarrass myself. And then I couldn't get drunk at the wedding. So then I was like, man, I need like something. I need hard liquor to get drunk. I rarely drink hard liquor. So to get drunk, I then started drinking Kettle One and Cranberries, and then I got really drunk. Cranberries. <laughs> did you have a Did you have a little uh, umbrella? Yeah, umbrella and a little lime in there too. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, it was a good time. It, it, it was a great time uh, in DC seeing Peru play, seeing all the all, all the Peruvians. Man, the Peruvians were running a show at RFK. It was unbelievable. And you know, there's a lot of Peruvians in the house. When I was, we were at the tailgate before the game, and I and and, and one of my cousins shows up. Like one of my cousins who lives in Virginia, uh, you know, showed up, and it was like, oh, now it's a party. So uh, no, man, it was it was great. I, I was I felt like a proud Peruvian. That day, and no, I did not cheer during the game. I did not root for Peru, not a, but it is cool to just be around so many Peruvians, man, because that's just it's my people, man. It did. They all they came out of the woodwork, man. There's a lot. We're everywhere, man. And I, I tell you what, anyone who's go, who gets to go to Red Bull Arena, 
Peru, Colombia tonight. Uh, that's going to be a great one because there's a ton of Colombians in the area. But there's but but Peruvians in Peru. Peruvians in New Jersey, I, I like to call New, North Jersey uh, North Lima because there's so many Peruvians in the Patterson and Passaic, New Jersey area, which is where I grew up. And uh, it's going to it's gonna be great, man. It's going to be half yellow, half red at Red Bull Arena uh, tonight. It's going to be very cool. With that, Ivis, I'm going to let you go. You enjoy the rest of the day. You're ready for U.S. Brazil. We'll obviously talk later this week, recapping the game on Brazil. So, Ivis, enjoy your rest of the day. Yes, sir, man. Enjoy uh, and, and good luck getting over that hangover. Thanks, I appreciate it. As always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Reviews, comments, everything you do. That is Ivis Galarza. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBS Show.